0: Happy Father's Day, everyone. That wasn't very a resounding Happy Father's Day. So, uh, well, a little uh, church kind of uh, trivia for you. Let's see how, how well you know church attendance. What are the three most attended Sundays in the American church? Right. Christmas, Easter, and Mother's Day. In fact, have you ever heard of CME Christians? That's Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. CME Christians. And uh, so here's the the follow-up question. What are the three least attended Sundays in American churches? There we go. Susan knows her her church attendance trivia. That if you didn't hear, uh, New Year's Day, um, July 4th, Thank you, and uh, and Father's Day, and uh, I gotta tell you, I uh, I think about that, and you have to ask why is Mother's Day the most attended, and why is Father's Day one of the the least attended, and is that is that reality uh, an indication of of the state of the American family and i'm really not talking about any of of that um, today, but i just I just wanted to let you guys know and just kind of the importance of of the family structure and and you know, asking the question, well, why don't dads show up on Father's Day? Or why don't people show up on Father's Day? And, and the reality is that I've, things that I've just heard and just interacting with people is, number, number one, you know, a, a lot of men are just not spiritual leaders in their family. They, they have, have not taken that responsibility seriously. And, and you know, that, that spirituality is just not a big thing to them. Uh, For a lot of fathers, they just, you know, hey, it's Father's Day and I don't want to go to church. I want to do, you know, it's my day and this is what I want to do. Another big, big factor is, and I've had several conversations this week, people uh, basically asking me for permission not to come today you know, it's kind of weird, you know, you know, call your pastor or Facebook your pastor and, and, and say, hey, do you mind if I don't come to church? And the reason, uh, the, the common theme has been people just like, talking about fatherhood is just too painful for me. And uh, I just can't see coming to church and, and just being reminded about my experience with my, with my father. And then just... Um, and that's grieving, right? I mean that that's, that that just breaks at least it breaks my heart having those conversations and and uh you know but you know, it's kinda like one thing it's like, wow they think enough, you know, of me and, and our community to, to reach out and ask for permission not to come. But uh but on the other hand, just the reason why they wouldn't come and it just you know, it just Praying for them, and just knowing that that this day can be a, a, a day of of real pain, especially in the church and i was, I was thinking about this and and uh, just really the the video that we just watched and and this I, idea of of what we didn 't know as kids with our father. and My hope is going through this, we can. Uh, appreciate our fathers more, even uh, our fathers who maybe weren't the you know, the textbook greatest dads uh, of the world. And I was thinking about this in the context of my father, and my father was a great father and is a great father. In fact, I uh, was telling him basically what I was going to be doing today and, and, and thinking about different things that he did while I was growing up that I just didn't understand, but now I know. Now I understand how He acted and, and how, you know, why He made the decisions that He made. And then I, I told Him, I said, then I want to talk about our Heavenly Father, who is our perfect Father, and, and how our Heavenly Father uh, stands in the gap uh, between our Father's brokenness and, and our needs. And He actually had a pretty interesting response. Uh, he said, well... You're going to be telling all these stories. When do I get my equal time? You know, just like he's all you get to give your perspective. When do I? And I said, Well, come on over. And uh, they're in California right now. I said, Come on, you know, you know where we are. So I'll give you equal time. He wasn't here this morning. I don't think he's still here. So I guess he's just going to have to trust that my perspective is obviously the correct perspective. And uh, so. There's three things that I was thinking about in my life that, that were kind of key things that I just didn't understand that I actually uh, really fully understand, or not, maybe not fully understand, but really understand where He's coming from. Uh, the first one is when He would say no to things that I thought would be fun or some of the things that, that I just wanted as a kid. And probably the, the best example of this that I could think of is uh, my brother. My, I, I was raised in Los Angeles, uh, 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 specifically right basically Burbank, North Hollywood area uh, growing up. And my brother was 14 and a half, or excuse me, four and a half years older than me. And uh, uh, I wanted to always hang out with my brother, and on the weekends he would go and hang out in the clubs and stuff in Hollywood and do, you know, a bunch of the nightlife stuff. He was actually a, a mod. You guys know what a mod is? Anybody? It was a fad in the, in the 80s where um, teenagers, older teenagers, uh, really identified with with uh, uh, English 60s music and, and kind of that movement and rode uh, Vespa scooters and, and things like that. So he was actually in a mod kind of like club and stuff like that. And they would go and, and do all this stuff that, you know, older teenagers were doing. And I always wanted to go with my, with my brother. And my brother, you know, on occasion would say I could come, but my dad would always say no you know you can't go to Hollywood on Friday night and be out on the streets with your brother you know you're you're you know 13 years old you know that's not not a place for you and and I never understood why but but now obviously uh I know and 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 the reality is that that my father uh felt a responsibility to to give me guidance based on his past experiences and and biblical teaching. That that my father, you know, wasn't always probably uh, during that time, he was probably in his 40s, he wasn't always a 40-year-old man, right? That he once was, you know, a, a teenager or a young twenty-something running the streets of of Los Angeles, and he kind of knew what was going on there, and knew that that as a, as a as a young man of being thirteen years old, that hey, you know what, this was not a good situation for me to be in, and he was teaching me different things about uh, a lot of times when you know I wanted to do stuff with uh different friends or or constantly going out as i as I got older, and he would say no, you know as long you know we 've all heard it as long as you 're living under my roof you know you'll get you 'll live by my rules and and kind of things like that and, and he wasn 't being mean even though I thought he was being mean at at, at the time, but he was Trying to teach me how to live within my means, both financially uh, and physically. Just you know, staying up late and getting up more early and just going and going and going. He was trying to put boundaries in my life that that would enable me to to uh, live a, a healthier and more full life. One thing that my uh, father would talk about with me was uh, things that our family did and things that, uh, uh, that Christians did and, and, and things that we were meant to do as ambassadors of Christ. And it was interesting. I didn't share my father's faith when I was growing up, but... But one thing that he would always talk about that kind of resonated with me was this idea that, hey, you know what? That might be okay for the Joneses, but it's not okay for, uh, you know, my uh, one of my sons who's a McNeese, because the McNeeses, you know, don't do those kind of things, and I always roll my eyes, and I wanted to change my name to the Joneses, right? You know, because, you know, I wanted to go and do all those things, and... You know, as I, as I think about these, these different things, and, 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 you know, sometimes, he, you know, He did it really well, and sometimes I responded to it well. Sometimes, you know, He didn't do it so well, and I didn't respond very well. Uh, but uh, connecting that with our Heavenly Father, in Psalm 103, in verse 13, uh, the psalmist writes, The Lord is like a father to His children, tender and compassionate to those who fear Him. And the reality is that when God says no to us, that that it's because He cares about us. And what might look good right now, what we might feel like we deserve now may not be in our best interest. It may be beyond our capacity to uh, accept, or maybe it's just not the right time. We've been going through the story of Esther, right? And we talked about how Mordecai saved the the life of King Xerxes, and he wasn't rewarded. And basically, God was saying no to Mordecai. He did this, you know, great thing, you know, he, he saved Xerxes' life, but he didn't get rewarded. And you can imagine that he was probably a little bent out of shape about that. But we know we've progressed in the story long enough that that no was for a greater yes in the future, and it actually saved his life and, and ultimately the people of Israel. All right, the next thing that, that uh, my dad you know, used to do and I didn't really fully understand was his sacrifice to give me time, guidance, and resources to be successful. I didn't understand that every time he said yes to me, he had to say no to something that he wanted to do or maybe uh, something that he was passionate about. When I was growing up, my my dad uh, would try to help me achieve in, in just about everything positive that I was trying to do. When I was growing up, I really got into motocross, and I remember... Uh, him getting a bike and and me having a bike and we go out to a place called Indian Dunes which you know could never name something that You know today, but uh, it was a motocross track, and we'd go out there every single weekend, and we'd race, and he'd work on my bike, and and do all these kind of things, and and he was just there. And I don't know if he was into motocross. I don't know if uh, that was something that he wanted to do, but that's something that he did because he could do it with his boys. I remember. uh, baseball just as a as a little leaguer and uh, just coming up through the ranks and i can 't tell you the countless hours that my dad and I played catch. And uh, my dad, I, I was terrible at baseball, just, you know, full disclosure. I was just never good at it. I used to get teased. People said I threw like a girl, which, you know, which I, I don't see a problem with that. Most girls throw better than me anyway. So that was something to aspire to, you know. Uh, uh, that, you know, I, you know I was pretty good at baseball besides, you know, making the little, you know, white thing hit the long Thing and you know, trying to catch the little white thing in the glove. Besides that, I was pretty good. You know, but he would spend hours and hours and hours. I mean, just like ground balls, ground balls. You know, and I, I mean, it was just like pelt mark practice. You know, it always, you know, take a bounce and hit me and things like that. He would hit pup flies. And I, hours and hours i wasn 't any good, and it wasn 't something he was forcing me to do It was just something that I wanted to do and he and he spent all of those those hours with me and 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 I never really thought that 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 he you know I never thought about his life growing up like you know maybe he wanted to do something else maybe you know maybe his buddies were uh you know, playing music somewhere, but he, he, you know, was spending time with me uh, in order to help me be better. I remember when I flunked out in ninth grade and they found out that I had dyslexia, uh, that my my dad and my mom, you know, they found this little school in La Cunada uh, uh, area, which is a uh, upscale suburban and I was in a class with just you know like two, three, four other kids, and they taught me how to overcome dyslexia and i I never thought about the cost <laughs> that that must have have been and i I remember during those times my dad was uh like the light Nazi and, and like he was always turning out lights on us. And I remember, you know, we would eat leftovers a lot and we, you know, didn't go on vacations as much. And I never made a connection with it. But, but now I know that, that during those times that, that, you know what, my parents and the family were sacrificing in order to give me a future. I remember when my, my life came unraveled at 24 years old, and, and I finally uh, did share my dad's faith and he led me to the Lord, that I remember the, the, the nights that I would call him because I was so lonely. I, when I became a follower of Christ, I lost all all of my friends because, you know, I wasn't going out and partying anymore, and I wasn't doing anything, and I, didn't meet, I hadn't met any other followers of Christ, and my dad was really my only friend. And I was really messed up inside, and, and, and he, w- he was my go-to guy. Like, I would call him, I'd call him at one in the morning and make him talk to me until like 3 a.m., and uh he never complained I, and and I never even thought you know maybe he'd like to be sleeping right now uh, and stuff and, and my dad's a musician and and when I became a follower of Christ, you know I started playing guitar because i Thought that's what Christians did, and and uh, and I started writing these, you know, awful worship songs. And 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 he, you know, my dad's an amazing musician, and he would sit there and he'd be like, "Yeah, you know, I could use a little work here, and we'll do this, and with something just that." And I never thought, you know, you know, maybe he'd rather be anywhere except here, listening to this terrible song right now. But but uh, you know. But I know now why he did all those things because my father and I think biblical fathers feel the responsibility to prepare and give the necessary tools for their children to be successful. And and I believe my father and I believe this for my son uh, and my daughter as well that 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 I want them to experience abundant life, not an American abundant life, but a a biblical abundant life, Uh, the life that God has a vision for them, where where they are living a life as, as full in, in, in their in close relationship with God and, and, and intellectually full and emotionally full and, and physically doing things to their full potential and socially uh, healthy and interactive. And that's why my father and why I and why us as fathers who are, who are here today and we didn't decide just to check out, do what we do. Jesus said in Matthew chapter seven and verse nine, "You parents, if your child asks for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? That's actually something I'd do. But uh, or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. And listen to this next part. So if you're sin, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children." How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? And this understanding that, you know, for those of us who, whose fathers weren't in our lives or who aren't in our lives right now, or even, uh, you know, as fathers who know that, that, you know, we are sinful, that we are broken, and, and we don't always respond, uh, at, you know, at our best with our children, that knowing that we have a Heavenly Father who will stand in the gap, that we have a Heavenly Father who cares about us and and will make a way. The final one that I didn't understand was discipline. I didn't understand why when my dad would discipline me, he would say, "Son." this is for your own good. I hated that. I got in trouble all the time when I was growing up, all the time, especially during the summer when I wasn't at that institution, uh, uh, school I think they called it, um, that, you know, I was there with my mom and uh and I, I just can't even imagine how aggravating I must have been. And and my dad was a disciplinarian and there would become, you know, inevitably point in the day where my uh mom would turn to me and say, Mark, you just wait till your father gets home. And my father would get home from work you know and he used to leave, you know he'd leave for work before the sun came up and and you know he would he would come home and and he my mom would grab him right this was before cell phone and texting and all that kind of stuff and you know back in the dark ages and and my dad would would walk in and my and they would they would go into their bedroom and and shut the door and all I would hear would be this and Then the door would open Mark And he'd come in and uh you know when I was younger, you know, uh uh like like a a kid a little kid and stuff basically how it, how it would go, my dad did three things when he when he disciplined me and if you don 't know my dad um, he's he's the most gentle person i've ever met like uh, he He has such a gentle spirit and i've i 've only seen my father uh Lose his temper just a couple of times uh, in my life, and but he can be pushed a, a long way. It's not weak, but he just he has a, he's amazingly patient man and gentle man, and and what what he would do was he we'd go into my bedroom and we'd sit on the bed, and then he first talked with me. He like Mark, you know, you know. You know, you shouldn't have you know tied the M80 to the cat or whatever I did, and uh, and I'm like, yeah, you know, and all this kind of stuff, and and that would be you know the first thing, and then the second thing that that he would do is then he would pray for me, and again, I didn't share his faith, uh, uh, but you know, he he always had these you know these these prayers, this conversation with God just about. About, mostly about him as, as a dad and just parenting me and, and, and things like that and asking God to help guide me and things like that. And then the third thing he would do is spank me. And, uh, you know, and I know we're all over the map on spanking, but again, this was, this was back before Internet, so, you know, spanking was cool. And... Uh, but before he spanked me, and again, you know, a very gentle man, not when he spanked, but you, before that part. And he and he he would always say, son, this is gonna hurt me more than it hurts you. Yeah, we've all heard it, right? And, and you know, I always like, well, I don't want you to hurt more than me, I'll spank you, you know, and uh you know, I'm the one who's getting in trouble here. And and you know, he. And then you know, I'd get my SWAT, and then or, or older, I'd get, I would get uh, grounded, and then after that, you know, I'd lose privileges and things like that. You know, just the progression of getting older, and I never understood why, you know, the whole progression of the thing. But now I, but now I know because here's the reality: my dad worked hard his whole life, and after working a whole day. I never even thought that 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 you know maybe he doesn't want to come home and get yelled at by his wife about something he had nothing to do with except maybe you know ten years earlier. But that day, he had nothing to do with it, and he just probably wanted to come home and relax, right? Maybe be with his family, have a little dinner, maybe watch a little TV, you know. Is that too much to ask? Apparently it was. And, uh, uh, you know, he walking in the door and, and getting an earful about his little brat son and then having to, you know, go through this whole, you know, kind of talking to me and then praying for me and then spanking me and everything like that and then all the other. So, you know, why Why would he go through it all? Why? why? Well, I had no idea why, but now I know. And this is why. Discipline is the highest form of love. Think about it. When you're at Publix or Walmart or wherever you go, and you see some brat, you know, screaming and grabbing like cuckoo co- cocoa puffs and, and throwing a, a fit, what do you do? You think ill of the kid and you, okay, I'll, I'll tell you what you do because I do the same thing. You think ill of the kid, what a brat. You think ill of the parent, why doesn't that parent do something about it? And then you go into another part of the supermarket because you just don't want to deal with it right? Why? Because you don't care. You go, the only reason you care is because the kid's annoying you. That is the only reason you care. Don't tell me otherwise. So, why do we discipline people? Because none of us like it, right? I mean, my dad didn't come home and like, oh, good, I get to be yelled at by Jan and do all this discipline stuff. No, I don't like it when I get home I get it done as fast as I can, you know. I don't want to deal with it. I want to do something else. I want to do something pleasant. We do it because we love our children. And I didn't realize that until I was a father, that discipline is the is the highest form of love. And because when we, we discipline, we take the time, we, do so, we confront something that is un pleasant that we don't want to deal with, but we deal with it because we want our child to have a better future. And that's why we do it. And how, the, how does this relate to our, our Heavenly Father? It, it relates directly in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 5. Think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child... The Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. And then, probably the greatest, probably scripture, I think, for a parent and really for a child to understand our our interaction with each other and how God disciplines us is found in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 5 through 11. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as His children? Now check out these encouraging words. It's not go team, you got a medal. It's this. My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when He corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those He loves. And he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, what kind of things do you endure? Do you endure going to Disneyland? Do you endure frozen yogurt? Do you endure an all-you-can-eat eat buffet, I don't know, do you endure an FSU football game? No you don't endure things that are enjoyable. What kind of things you, do you endure? You endure childbirth. you endure you know painful, awful things. So he's saying, as you endure this divine discipline, it's not pleasant. Remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father, Paris Hilton? (laughs) If God doesn't discipline you as He does all of His children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really His children at all. Since we respect our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever? This idea that, you know what, when we're disciplined by God, it is the highest form of love. It means that we have a future in God's eyes. When God says no, no. He's saying no because we have a grander future. He has a grander future than what uh than what we are currently experiencing. When God takes away and disciplines us, he's doing so to refine us for a more glorious future. Verse 10, for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how. You know what? I think that's an important thing because some of us are harboring ill feelings toward our Father. I'm not talking about abuse things or anything, but just, you know what? Our fathers are human. And a lot of times we don't think about our fathers that way, but they're human, they're broken, and they have a sin nature. And for most of us, Our fathers disciplined us the best they knew how. And you know what? Some of us just need to cut our fathers some slack. We've been way too hard on them. And we should at very least extend the grace to our fathers that they extended to us. Because you probably weren't a dream come true your whole life either. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in His holiness. And this is the promise. We have a perfect Heavenly Father. Even all of our fathers have come up short. that Our Heavenly Father will never come up short. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. And this is something that we need to understand, that we need to understand that when we are being disciplined by God or, or by our fathers in either the past or, or the present, that, that this is the highest form of love because it means your earthly father and your heavenly father believes you have a better future than what you are currently experiencing. It means that they believe in you. Because if they didn't believe in you and if God didn't believe in you, then He would not bother. Okay, so there's a couple of things that I just want to just give you some action points. Like I said, some of you need to call your father and just reconcile. There's some things that have happened in your life that, that your father has probably made some bad calls. Maybe he wasn't there for you. But you know what? Maybe it's just time to say, you know what? I'm going to extend to my father the grace that I'd want extended to me. Here's the second one, and this is for you, you young guys. You guys with the, the little kids. My daughter is 16 years old and in a few months she will be 17 years old. I'm coming to the end of being the primary male figure in her life. Am I happy about it? No. Am I digging ditches in my backyard? Yes. A few will go missing before one gets her, but <laughs> let me tell you this, and there's a man back there who will give me an amen, at least, or a or, uh, true, they, your children grow up so fast. It seems like yesterday I was taking Madison home, and you young guys, you hear me, and you hear me really good because I have heard enough of pain stories from fathers whose children will not talk to them. Your your kids might want this. They may want that. What they need is a father. What they need is a godly man in their life who is going to stand up and say no when it is not good for them. Who is going to discipline them. Who is going to show up, not for the quality times, but the quantity times. Who are going to find their interests And try to be in there and find teaching moments in that. Don't make the mistake as so many other men have made by saying, you know what, my job is to be the provider and if I get this promotion and neglect my family to do this and this and this, I will be able to take them on a bigger vacation or I will buy them a better house or I will be able to buy them a car because they may want that, but they need you. And you have this one time in their life There is always going to be another football game. There is always going to be another, you know, television program. There's always going to be another, you know, gig. There's always going to be another fish. But there's only going to be this one moment that you are the primary figure in your children's lives. They didn't ask for you to bring them into this world. You be a man of God. And you be there for your children. And you say no to all the things that you want to do. Because you won't remember those fun things. What If you lose your children if you become estranged from your children, if your children won't even come to church on Sunday because they have been so hurt by you, you will never, ever be able to forgive yourself. Let me pray. Dear God, it breaks my heart that Father's Day is the least attended Sunday of the year. Man, have we got this wrong. God, I just pray for for those of us who are fathers who have had many a moment that we're not proud of that you will give the grace to our children to forgive us. And God, I just pray for the young men who are at the beginning of this journey, that you will let all... the peripheral stuff that tries to take our attention, just let it fade. And let us just focus on our families. Let us be men who are man enough to say no, who are man enough to sit down and talk with our children and tell them about the the legacy of their family and what it means to be a child of God. God, I just pray that the older men in the church can come and speak life into the younger men, and the younger men can find mentors and people who will Just reiterate the high calling.